the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views expressed on the following program do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. Perspective. Teaching. Conversation. This is Isaiah 61. Over the next half hour, you'll hear why the Lord provided those verses and how they can be used in witnessing, in the church, and in daily life as God's children. Now, here's your host of Isaiah 61 from Spirit of the Lord Church in North Minneapolis, Pastor Joe Sutton. Hey, good afternoon, everyone. Uh, This is Pastor Joe Sutton, uh, and we're here today, as, as we hope once again, said this about a month ago, as the weather is turning. (laughs) <laughs> and in Minnesota, we know that can change at any given day. It can, it can turn back the other way. But uh, it's been a nice last couple of days. And, um, you know, as uh, some of you know or don't know, is, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm an accountant by uh, training and profession and, you know, a pastor by calling. And this time of year, I always uh, try to help people out uh, by helping them with their income taxes, helping them catch up, helping them find some things out. And this has been a hectic year for me. So uh, taking a little break away from numbers and get to run my mouth and uh, and, and go into the Bible. <laughs> but uh, I'm, I'm always reminded of things as a perspective as, as, a, as a parent. And, you know, and, uh, and, and I think I'm going to be a professional parent. I think that's what I'm going to change my name to because I have, I have nine children now. And uh, so I think I'm, I'm learning some things, you know, from my mistakes with the first batch, <laughs> second batch, and now I'm on the third batch, you know, so so I'm, I'm kind of learning some things there. My wife says I, I go out and find children, you know, I mean, I just find them, you know, so, so um, and so that just, you know, I have uh, Esther and uh, Samuel uh, moved in with me about a year ago. They're the children of my best friend, my best friend in the whole world, uh, uh, Dr. Falonzo Ojibodi in Nigeria, pastor in Nigeria, and uh, he wanted his kids to uh, to get an education in the states, and and so uh, I said yes, they can come stay with me. So that increases increases a, a shared arrow in the quiver, but it's there. So I I, I enjoy it. I enjoy doing that, and uh, and just being there with parents. But as a parent, sometimes you have those reflective moments. You know, and I'm going to talk about a, a reflective moment, and I'm going to move into a subject I want to talk about for the next couple of weeks. And I just really want to talk about manhood. You know, what I mean, you know, uh, manhood. You know, when I was when I first became a Christian, I was a little nervous about coming to church because really my viewpoint, of my me seeing church from the outside in, I I never saw the church. Uh, I never saw a real man. In church, you know, I, I saw uh, womanizers. Uh, I saw, uh, uh, let's see, how can I say this without getting KKMS in trouble? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm urban, y'all, so I tend to say things in slang. So you got to give me a little credit. It's like speaking another language. You got to think of what you're gonna say in, in the right language. To understand? I, I saw homosexuals. 
you know, I, you know, but I didn't see a real man. Right. But even then, my definition of manhood was skewed because I looked as a real man as, as, as one who, who, who takes care of his own. He takes care of his family. You know, what I mean, if he need to, he can knock somebody out. You know, what I mean, uh, he, he runs things. He's in charge. He's in authority. And then when I became a believer, I said, now nah, I'm in this institution called church. And 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 I'm like, you know, and I was a little nervous. And then but but you know, God kind of answered my prayers because the church that I ended up going to, I was in uh, Houston, Texas. And the church I ended up going to, uh, my singles pastor was uh, the road manager for Dr. Edwin Lewis Cole. And so Dr. Cole would come into Houston and have meetings uh, with him. And and then um, my my pastor would take me with him. And so I got to meet Dr. Cole, uh, speak with him. Uh, you know, just, you know, just spend tons of time with him uh, in his hotel room or in other places. And and I remember, you know, I was real perplexed one day and he said, he said, Joseph, what's wrong? And I said, I had probably been a Christian maybe about a year and a half. He said, he said, I said, what does it mean to be a man? And then he stopped and he said, I'm going to give you a simple definition. He said, manhood and Christ likeness are synonymous. You can't be a real man without being Christ like. You know, and 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 that that caused me to read the gospels a little bit more. To to I didn't read the gospels just to find out what miracles Jesus did. I read the gospels to find out how, to, how can I be a man? You know, I I want to be a man, you know, cuz you know, I want me a woman. You know, and I got, and I want to be a good man to a good woman, you know what I mean? And and uh and so I, I, I got into the gospels and I started looking at how Jesus handled himself, how he handled conflicts, how he handled praise, how he handled disappointment, how he handled criticism, you know, and looking at it that way and because I knew in order for me to be a man, that's that's what I need to do. And and I went on this journey and I started looking at it and whenever you want to know something, you know, you need to go back to the original intent. What was man's original intent? Why did God make man? You know, and, uh, and when you look at Genesis, you know, in Genesis chapter one, you know, verse 26, then God said, now let's make humans who will be like us. They will rule over all the fish in the sea and the birds in the air. They will rule over all the large animals and all the little things that crawl on the earth. So God created humans in his own image. He created them to be like himself. He created them male and female. God blessed them and said to them, have many children, fill the earth and take control of it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the air rule over everything that moves on the earth. Now, that definition was for humans, for male and female, right? But I, it gave me an understanding of what what my purpose was on this earth, to, to be a caretaker of the earth. It's not my earth, but God has given me rulership. He's given me a level of authority, but that's for me and the female. And so in Genesis 2, right, you know, as I'm reading, it says, you know, okay, it said when it talked about how he created, you know, Adam, he said, verse 15, it says, the Lord God put the man in the garden to work the soil and to take care of the garden. The Lord gave him this command. You may eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree that gives knowledge about good and evil. If you eat fruit from that tree on that day, you will certainly die. So now now here's something for me that I can look at and see. It's a little bit more specific. God is saying, I, I put man here to work, you know, to, to, to work my creation, you know, to, to take care of my creation, to take care of the things that are there, right? 
And so that's why I consider it is is a mandate. And I, I have I have five boys, you know, and and they know that you know I I tell them straight up. I mean, I'm I'm not I'm all I gotta say is this. I'm urban. That's all I got to say. <laughs> That's all I got to say. I don't know how you go. You know what I mean? But if one of my if one of my guys step out of line, we go toe to toe. And I ain't talking about playing footsies. You know what I mean? We, we knuckle up. You know what I mean? Because that's just and, and you know you might be like, oh man, that guy's crazy. Uh, he's not really a Christian. He's not really that. You know, really there. You know, and and, and I'm gonna tell you and define for you a little later on. You know where it goes to from another meeting. You know. When I when me and Mr. Dr. Cole were praying, but you know I'm saying the Lord, we got to take care of this, not just the soil, but God created the garden and He expects man to do it. He expects man to work, you know. He expects him to work. He expects him to get out there and do. So the first thing I always taught my children was a work ethic. You know, my wife wanted to teach them ABCs, colors, everything like that. I said, "Honey, you want to know how many PhDs down on Curry Street?" And for those of you who don't know, Curry Street is where the Salvation Army is. Where the homeless people sleep. And I said, you want to know how many PhDs and MBAs on Curry Street? I said, because they don't work. You know what I mean? I said, I said, I'm gonna teach them how to work. So they would they had to they when they when they learned how to walk, they had to take their dirty clothes to the basement and put them in the laundry basket, right? And so it would be the funniest sight in the world, you know what I mean? You know, because you know, when you when you when when they little, they love to work. So they would take everything to the laundry basket. <laughs> Clean clothes, your clothes, you know, everything was going to the laundry basket. They, because they, you know, they, they, they love to work. But my wife would be like, you know, they just babies, you know, and everything like that. I mean, no, no, no. And they, and then when they got a little bigger, they tried to take the whole basket, and that would be funny. They fall and they trip and they can't really get in, and and they, you know, complain. And so, you know, I did what all daddies do when mama's not looking. I went to them and I said, why y'all trying to carry that whole basket downstairs? They said, because it's easier than carrying a handful of clothes at a time. I said. Why don't you just get in the basket and ride it down the stairs? And they said, for real? I said, yeah. So next thing you know, you're, bam, you know, they're coming downstairs laughing, clothes fall, they put them back in the basket, and they ride down the next set of stairs. And, and until they did it one time when mommy was home and, you know, they threw me under the bus and snitched. And, and, I, <laughs> and it was a conversation. But I wanted to teach them how to work. You know, I just wanted to teach them that, 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 that there has to be some application. You know, what I mean, you you can't sit around and philosophize all day long. There has to be some application. Somebody has to get out there and make and get something done. And you know, I'm proud to say that uh, you know that they they do that. They 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 do that. You know, they have no qualms. People always want to get them to help them move or come help them do some work around their house and say. You know, your kids really now say, do you know how long it took me to get them to get to this point <laughs> so they wouldn't be lazy teenagers sitting around? You know, that's all they know how to do. You know what I mean? They get good grades in school. That, I mean, that's 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 a given. But at the same time, they know how to work. And, 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 and for us as men, understand me this. You know, you might have grew up in a household where you didn't have to do anything. You know, I feel sorry for those guys that got more than one sister. You know what I mean? Because it's like having two or three mamas. You know what I mean? They just like, you know, I, I look at... Uh, I just look at my grandson with two older sisters, and and you know it'd be hard to get anything done because they run around there doing it for you and do whatever like that. But you know it comes to a point in time that you got to learn how to work. You got to God expects His men to work. He expects us to work. I'm gonna emphasize that again. He expects them to work. You know what I mean? And not just working to satisfy your own self, meaning to get a paycheck to buy the things that you desire, but also to put some work in in the kingdom. It's a shame that in most of our churches you walk in there. 
you know, and there's no knock. I'm not, I'm not knocking, you know, I can't knock. Understand this. I'm a member of the Church of the Four Square Gospel, which was founded by a female. And I catch flack from people that why are you in a denomination founded by a female? You know, no woman should be over man. It's a whole nother subject. Find somebody else to teach you on it. You know what I mean? I don't mind. You know what I mean? And growing up under my mama, she was a good leader. I don't have no problem with a female lead. Uh, and I can follow one. So that's just me. I'm still a man. It'll take my manhood away. I said, but the other side of the coin is this, is that, that a lot of times our women always want to view our, their young boys as still being babies. You know, my youngest son is six feet, 212 pounds. And my wife still calls him her baby. <laughs> I was like, I, was like I, I, I think he's a long way from baby. You know what I mean? Because she doesn't want that image to go away. And sometimes it doesn't make a transition where you have to understand that, you know, you have to do some things on your own. And, and though you may be rough on them, but where it seems like you're being rough on them, but you're really preparing them for the work that's ahead of them, you know. And so I, I, I look at this and what I said, what made, what, made, what made me really think about this is that uh, I come home from dialysis and I'm tired and I'm wiped out and I walk in the door and I lay down on the bed and I'm like, ah, you know, just, you know, my head is swirling. It was a hard day. And then I hear a female voice coming in my door and I hear my son. And I know, I said, that's, that's my sister-in-law. You know, she's supposed to be at work. What is she doing here? You know what I mean? And I said, that's my son. He's supposed to be at baseball practice. What does he do at home? So she said, are you all right? You're okay. Okay. I don't care. I'm going to leave you here. So I get up and look and there's this cat laying on the floor with two crutches on his side. You know, some kid was playing around in the weight room and threw the kickboxing bag and broke his foot. He didn't know his foot was broken. You know what I mean? He was mad because they wouldn't let him play baseball. He tried to get into baseball practice. You know what I mean? He he wanted to try to go out there and play, you know, on this uh, fractious foot. And they put, gave him some crutches and sent him home in an ice bag. And so uh, I looked at it and I knew, oh man, you know, being a being a coach, I knew we got to go. We got to go. We got to go. We got to go. We got to go get X-rays. And and I was a little upset because wondering why the teacher wasn't supervising the weight room, and and you know that that you know that my my son could get hurt, and all this guy could think about was, you know, man, I'm gonna miss a baseball game, right? So that's just all he's really thinking about, and and so we. The next day, you know, with the changes in the healthcare law, another whole another subject, we don't have the same coverage anymore. So we had to navigate our way through the system. We finally uh, get to a place where he can be X-rayed and seen, and his broken foot. He gets a boot, and the whole time we're together, he's like, "Does it hurt? Yeah, it hurts. Hurts real bad." The nurse, you want something for it? Nope, don't need nothing for it. You know, I mean, you know, it's like that. And then, <laughs> and my wife goes, "You're acting like your dad." It's okay to take a pain pill. He's like, nope, don't need one. You know what I mean? And I'm I'm sitting there looking at this guy, and I'm like, I'm like, he he he's been around me too long, and I can't say nothing. I can't say anything to him because that's the same thing I say. You know what I mean? That, that, that he hears me saying. You know what I mean? That, and and now he's wanting to play on his foot. And when I was his age, I remember having reconstructive knee surgery, and four months late, I played softball with a cast on. I I put baggy pants on and was on the softball field pitching. And batting with pants on, and going in there, and I realized that that uh, that you know, like the cats in the cradle song, my son was just like me, 
And I want to say this before the break. Are you God's definition of a man? Because our boys will be like their dads. And our girls will want men like their fathers. Man, being a man and being Christ-like are synonymous. If any other standard is your rule, you're going to be off. Now, let's take a break, come back, and I want to talk about a little application and some of the benefits of being raised in a single-parent home. Spirit of the Lord Church is a multi-ethnic, multi-generational church impacting North Minneapolis and the greater Twin Cities. Emphasizing the four pillars of godly thinking, training up godly children, godly marriages, and outreach to the community. Spirit of the Lord has quickly become a staple to some of the people who need God the most. As they focus on Jesus Christ, grace and truth bind them together to become God's best. Join them for service every Sunday morning at 1030 at 1001 Penn Avenue North in Minneapolis. Spirit of the Lord Church, a proud sponsor of Isaiah 61. We here at AM 980 The Mission want to take an opportunity to thank you, the local pastors of the Twin Cities, for your dedicated service to our community by personally inviting you to our Pastors Appreciation Lunch, Thursday, May 12th, at Banquets of Minnesota and Fridley. Our keynote speaker this year will be Chris Brown, whom you can hear weekdays at 2 p.m. right here on AM 980 The Mission. It will be a delightful afternoon of lunch, fellowship, and camaraderie. Join us on Thursday, May 12th, with registration beginning at 10 a.m. by reserving your spot right now at am980themission.com. We are mighty men of God. Amen. And, uh, you know, sometimes the Marine Corps says we're looking for a few good men. I'm not looking for a few. I'm looking for a lot. Uh, you know, just being with my son uh, as he was going through that experience and watching him get there, you know, and, and, and him happy to have his little badge of honor, his broken foot. You know, we, we got home from urgent care, and uh, it was his night to— clean the bathrooms and and do the floors and everything like that. And so he looked at me and he said, he said, Dad, uh, do I have to do it? I mean, my foot, he couldn't even get the foot out. I just looked at him. He said, okay, I understand. And he went to work. <laughs> he went to work. I said, I, don't, I said, bro, it ain't matter where your foot broke. You got to go to work. You got to go to work. Sometimes you have to do some things to get there, and you'll never be able to handle the big things in life unless you start with the small things in life. And, you know, but the thing that I want him to understand is not so much as being a workaholic or being a person with a great work ethic, as much as it is having the ethic that your Lord and Savior diminished, that he had a job to do and he completed his job. You know what I mean? Even though he cried blood, you know, looking at that, that it, is his job really finished? Are, are they really ready to take this mission over? You know what I mean? If I leave, this will happen. But yet, you know, we see that, it was a success, you know what I mean, because he obeyed his father and he did what he had to do, and he followed the way his father did. He didn't come up with a new way, and uh, and that's the things that I try to teach. But being Christ-like in what we do is a powerful thing. But unfortunately, you know, my parents got divorced when I was six years old. But the one thing that my mom did that I try to encourage single moms that I work with, because uh, if if I just I 
I just can't even count the number of moms who come to me and 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 ask me to uh, mentor their sons or do something or find a mentor for their sons because you know they can't teach them how to be a man and want to teach them how to be a man and everything like that. And first thing I say that you know manhood and Christ likeness are synonymous. Are you willing to allow them to be Christ like? Are you willing to allow them? to define the church home? Are you willing to allow them, you know, to, to do certain things? You've got to ask yourself this question. It's not as easy as taking a burden off of you of dealing with a hard head, uh, you know, teenage boy or a strong willed child, you know, is, is, are, are you really ready to help him take that plunge into manhood? And my, my mother taught me how to play football. My mother taught me how to play baseball. My mother wrestled with me. Uh, she beat me. You know, went wrestling until <laughs> I got about fourteen. Then I could, I could, I could kind of get with her a little bit when I got to be fourteen. You know what I mean? But uh, you know, my mother was a farm girl. You know, and wrestling cows, and so it was, it was nothing for her to you know wrestle her boys. But she realized she couldn't give. She could teach her boys to be the kind of man that a woman would love, but she couldn't teach her boys to be the kind of man that a man would love. And and so and so, the benefit of me being with my mom. And there is that I became a man that was more sensitive to the things that females go through. You know, what I mean, I wasn't as callous and as hard because I saw the pain of loneliness in my mom or, or not being able to provide certain things for us. Or My mother never saw me play sports. My mother hardly ever was at awards banquet that I had because she was always working double shifts and other shifts to um, to take care of us. You know, what I mean, so I, I didn't get that kind of support. And my mother was not because my mother was a tomboy. She wasn't a I love you, huggy, huggy, kissy person. You know, I mean, you know, I can't even remember hardly my mother ever saying, you know, I love you or me saying it back to her. I was 23 when I first heard her. I love her. She started telling me she loved me when I got to be about 18. When I was about to leave the house. And uh, and and so but it was a culture that we didn't have. But I want to read some words to you from a mom to a son. And a lot of times we look at Proverbs 31 and we always talk about the Proverbs 31 woman. You know what she does, and 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 how she elevates her man, and, and how she is a pillar in the community, and her, and she helps take care of her family. But you know, I, listen to the words from Proverbs thirty-one in in verse one. These are the wise saying that King Lemuel's mother taught him. This was this is what his mother taught him. She said, "I pray for a son, and you are the son I gave birth to. Don't waste your strength on women. Women destroy kings, so don't waste yourself on them." Lemuel, it is not wise for kings to drink wine. It is not wise for rulers to want beer. They may drink too much and forget what the law says. Then they might then they might take away the rights of the poor. Give beer to people without hope. Give wine to those who are in trouble. Let them drink to forget their troubles. Let them forget they are poor. Speak up for people who cannot speak for themselves. Help people who are in trouble. Stand up for what you know is right and judge all people fairly. Protect the rights of the poor and those who need help. These are the words from a mom to her son and helping him understand what it means to be a man, you know, and what it means to be a man. And, 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 you know, I, I told my dad one time, I said, dad, you know, you, you taught me a lot about manhood. And uh, he said, I did son, what I teach you. He, it was, I was being sarcastic. And he said, I said, you taught me how not to treat a woman. I said, now I need to find somebody that can teach me how to treat a woman. Rebelling against something is not finding truth. You know, if you're raised in a non-Christian home and you rebel against that and become a Christian, then you're, 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 you're still in rebellion. And rebellion is the sin of witchcraft. 
right? If so my mother's a drinker and I rebel against drinking or smoking and I don't do it. But I'm not doing it. I'm doing it out of rebellion. You know what I mean? It's it's not that I know what to do. I just know what not to do. You know what I mean? Now, who's going to tell me what to do? You know what I mean? And I look at a lot of uh, men my age, you know, and, and older or even younger. A lot of things we do, we do because we know what not to do. But we don't know what to do. We don't know what to do to be more like Christ. And, you know, and I want to explore in the next couple of weeks. And, and I'm going to uh, bring some guys on that I respect that are in men's ministry about what can we do? to help men become more like Christ? And what can you do as a parent to help your son be more like Christ in the midst of this world that we're in right now? You know, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I, as a, as a father, you know, you know, I, I see the faults, you know, in my sons and, and everything like that. And people should tell me I should be happy that they're better off than what some is. But my comparison is Jesus. It is not another teenager. You know what I mean? And, and they know the standard they have to go, that, that you will not make it until you make it the way Christ made it. And you model yourself in the image of God. It's not hard if you get out the way. But if you stay in the way, it's hard. Until next week, we're going to st- tackle this subject of manhood a little closer. I'm Joe Sutton, and I'm out. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
the explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.